Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. And the Oscar goes to... Nomadland. On behalf of my fellow producers, Peter Spears, Molly Asher, Dan Genvy, and the one and only Francis McDormand, we thank the Academy, and we thank our brilliant fellow nominees, and we thank all the hearts and hands that come together to make this movie. From Searchlight Pictures, Jessica Buder, who trusted us with her beautiful book, to our brilliant cinematographer, Joshua James Richards, and to the entire Nomadland company. We want to show our deepest gratitude to Linda May, Swanky, Bob Wells, and nomadic community, all the people we met on the road. Thank you for teaching us the power of resilience and hope, and for reminding us what true kindness looks like. And now I give you Fern. No, I'm not. I'm Fran. Please watch our movie on the largest screen possible, and one day, very, very soon, take everyone you know into a theater, shoulder to shoulder, in that dark space, and watch every film that's represented here tonight. We give this one to our wolf. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Awards Don't Matter, uh, the podcast that takes a look at all the best picture winners from the beginning of time and says, uh, do they... Do these particular films matter or not? Uh, on this particular episode, I'm joined by my um, beleaguered and perennial co-host, Dave. Uh, <laughs> and because we're doing a special episode, uh, I've dragged in, um, well, Dave's regular co-host on Offscreen Death. and <laughs> Among uh, other, other shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael Dennison. So welcome, both of you, to uh, discuss this particular film. Oh, just me. Not, why welcome Dave? He's here every time. Welcome me. Yeah. It's normal. Andrew, is this our first guest? It is, on the yes, show? yeah. Uh, oh, look at that. The reason why I keep on, on thanking Dave <laughs> is that I need to make sure that he keeps on coming mm. back, you know? It's like. <laughs> <laughs> He's smart. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so many people who do this stuff, so, you know, thank you again. <laughs> two, I think there are two. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Um, so usually we would wait 90 years before uh, judging a film as to whether it's worthy or not. But um, given this is 2021, uh, opinions are very quick and we get to I mean, decide right now whether this particular film matters or not. The world could uh, be ending. They're meeting. There may not be Oscars. So there's no more Golden Globes. Maybe there's no more Oscars. We got to decide now, Andrew. Yeah. Look, I mean... It would be a mercy comfort if there were no more Oscars, that's for sure. Um, I'm pretty sure the world... Since the guy with with an Oscars podcast, he's like, you know what sucks? This. Yeah. (laughs) I I have often wondered that about this show, uh, not only with the the title, 
but it seems like damn near every every episode that I've listened to, there's an insistence that this is all meaningless, that you want to reinforce that title, <laughs> which does beg the question why he to have committed to, uh, what is this, 90 movies? 90, so- I don't know what we're up to. A in lot. The Not 93, plus the other ones that weren't, weren't winners as well. So, you know. A lot. It's, uh, it's, yeah. Easily triple We're digits. Like, it's, uh, it's a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mike, before we get into the film Nomadland, um, what is your opinion and experience with the Oscars? Are you an Oscar fanatic? Hmm. Do you watch the ceremony or do you kind of, you know, frustratingly just look at the winners afterwards and go, out of my mind now? I mean, I watched it this year, so that makes me a fanatic. I mean... (laughs) You and 19 19 other... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would not have previously said that because I'm not usually up on um, who is necessarily supposed to win or should have won or all of that. Uh, I used to watch this as a kid probably in the way that it was intended, which that it would get me interested in movies that I had not heard of. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, when they would play clips of the movies, when maybe they would actually sell the content (laughs) itself. Uh, instead of just seeing people speechifying and having these awkward exchanges from across the room, uh, paying a lot of compliments to other rich people. Uh, now, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, uh, I guess I don't really care. This was an odd year anyway, in that Nomadland premiered over here on Hulu, like a month before it was crowned best picture. So this all felt like, um, a version of like Rushmore. Like the kid just putting on a production and everyone just kind of goes along with it. Like, isn't that cute? <laughs> Look at them playing dress up. That was this year. So that's no knock, I guess, necessarily against Nomadland because it's not this movie's fault that there was a global pandemic that uh, ruined our, our trophy uh, handouts that we have for the insanely wealthy <laughs> uh, and horrible people. But um, it would have been a lot nicer if Promising Young Woman had won. I'll say that. Then it would have mattered. Now it's totally <laughs> meaningless. It's garbage. My it's favorite fake. didn't win, so this is it's now not important. Did, Pretty much, did you find yeah. it weird that yeah. like, you know, you mentioned this this idea of the Oscars this year. There were like basically no clips. Even things like I don't know, like oh, like production and costume design, there were no images. It's like it's a it's just supposed to be a visual medium. And that really surprised me given that the person behind the Oscar mm. ceremony this year supposedly was Soderbergh. Like, he was directing this whole thing, and, like, I don't know if that was his call or he was pressured to, like, make this much quicker, so they got rid of the clips. But I just kept watching it, thinking, like, do you guys, do you guys remember this as a visual medium? Like, did, <laughs> we need to see images and sounds and, like, no, nothing. We're just going to try and organize it so we can give Chadwick Boseman an Oscar uh, at the very end and then fuck that up, too. That's what, that's what we're going to do? Okay. Good job, guys. Well done. <laughs> and... Especially for a year where, you know, most people probably hadn't heard of the eight films nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. And, like, the awareness of it was absolutely non-existent. Um, I want to lead back into kind of the discussion of Nomadland with something that Mike mentioned where, you know, this is basically back-scratching a whole bunch of wealthy people. And Chloe Zhao comes from wealth. Um, her family have a bunch of wealth. And yet this is a film that is about um, poverty throughout America. That Does whole that sentence, kind of thing... It shows. It shows. Shows the movie. I assure you, yes, this is. <laughs> this was made by someone who has had access through some sort of family member uh, to money. Yes, and uh, and that's fine. I, I just figure anyone who makes a movie, I'm not holding that against her. Uh, usually, they come from a life of privilege. How else 
are you able to fuck around in film school? Right. Right. If you don't have some sort of safety net in place, it may yeah. not be as extreme as, you know, billions of dollars, but, uh, I don't hold that against anyone. Uh, I do hold, um, the Amazon factor greatly against this movie. Cause I didn't know anything about the director, but then when I get to this scene where Francis McDormand is talking about how she makes all this great money in Amazon. Hey, Francie. Hi, Hi, kids. Hi. Hi. Sam. How are you? I'm good. Good. It's nice to see you. It's been a while. How are you been? Good. Good. You look good. Thanks. Your hair. Yeah, I cut it. I like it. I like Thank it you. a lot. Are you working at Amazon again? Yeah. You mm. like it? Uh, yeah. Great money. Are you still doing the van thing? Yeah. I'm parked over at the Desert Rose RV Park. Oh, we just drove by there today. Didn't we, girls? How's your mom? She's wonderful. She misses you a, a lot. Please tell her I miss her, too. I will. I will. But really, Fern, if, if you need a place to stay, you can come over and stay with us. We're worried about you. Thanks. Don't worry about me. I'll let you know. I promise. Okay. okay. See you, Aubrey. And this is set in the last recession, right? Is this around 2008 to 10 kind of period? It's yeah. like, it's well, like the 2011, book... I think. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, so they're making yeah, about yeah. 10 to 12 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> is this an advertisement for fellow rich people? That that was a pretty big turnoff uh, on the movie mm-hmm. for me because I felt like, oh, so we're not, we're not actually going to talk about how people who want to drop out of society or pulled back into it um, because of this just crushing like sort of economic need to take advantage of others. And it's like, Oh, you don't have a a home. We can provide a parking lot for you. As long as you come in and do this soul crushing job, (laughs) pay you 12 bucks an hour for seasonal work. Oh, you don't have healthcare. That's great too. You don't expect healthcare. In fact, you poor people are like rich people's dreams. And so it was a little bit, strange for me that this was the best picture winner where other rich people look at the the value of being poor and struggling and look at how noble it is and it was a weird fucking year for this to be for this to be the one that the academy's mm-hmm. like see we know what the common man's going through and i <laughs> francis mcdormand i don't know she should have won for burn after reading what, what is she doing here why is she so fucking dull why why is she so glum uh, I felt like at the yeah. Oscar ceremony, she's playing her. She's playing Fern. She's scowling at me <laughs> in a dress as she holds a gold trophy. Uh, I feel like she's lecturing me. <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck are you talking to? Who? What? What is? What? What is the political point of this movie? Is there a political point to it, or did they just want to? I don't grace? think there is. Okay. Yeah, I don't think there is, and. You know, I rewatched this yesterday, and I, uh, because we live in a land of privilege and safety here in Australia, where, uh, you know, we are relatively, we've had cinemas open since July last year, basically. Not trying to boost uh, my ego or Australia's ego here, but it's too bad you guys. Safe. It's it's and just so too bad you guys got to see this. Movies. I mean, it's too bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Come on now. We don't need to make movies. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I got to see Nomadland on the big screen and I was overwhelmed by its beauty and by the narrative and especially because I didn't know, this was the first time watching it, so I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know what was coming. Um, and of course, it's it, this is a film that lives in the moment. It's a film that is all about uh, the experience of just being on the road and, and it's very nostalgic and very um, uh, glass 
uh, roast into glasses, basically. Yet, watching it at home yesterday, you know, and while I've got a big screen, it still, it dwarfed everything else that I fell in love with, with the actual film itself. I still think it's a great film, but the message, as you're saying, what is the political message of this film? I think that the political message <laughs> is non-existent because this is a film that is effectively about grief. It's a film about Fern's grief and her continual desire to push away any chance of moving past the loss of her town and the loss of her husband. And it's pointed that that's the last kind of thing that we see in the film where she goes back to her home and walks out of the home and then effectively drives away and then it's roll credits. And it's like, oh, has she gotten over everything? Has she learned to deal with her grief? Or is she just going to continue on with this narrative? But the problem is, is that when you have a film that is so heavy on living in the moment, so heavy on uh, experiential kind of things, it, it doesn't allow that particular thread to actually thrive. It's not a prominent thread at all, and nor is any kind of political thread at all, um, which is a real shame because, you know, there is some kind of um, there is some kind of weight to this particular story that I felt at least, and yet on. Repeat watching, I can't help but feel that this is just Frances McDormand uh, putting some dirt in her face and feeling a bit sad for America. And I really like her. <laughs> Dave is currently <laughs> laughing into his uh, T-shirt, but <laughs> I, I like her as an actress, but I can't help but um, get the impression that she is. There is uh, some moments where it feels like she's kind of mugging for the camera to allow the non traditional actors, the, the people who actually are nomads, to feel comfortable on screen. And you can't help but feel that that's Frances McDormand making this person feel okay with being on screen. Um, Dave, wh what's your perspective on that? There's a lot to chew on there, I know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where to start with all the, <laughs> with all the hatred coming from both sides. Um, I, I mean, really it, like this film. I do, but it's hard to not well, focus. Tell, on I, I think tell it's your uh, word, tell your words. Tell your words. That you like this movie. I think it's, it's uh, hard to tell. It's dog shit, Dave. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> there dog it is. Shit. There it is. Dog shit sold by Amazon directly to your home. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, I. It's interesting. I when I first saw this, I liked this a lot more than I do now, and I and I think this in issue for me with Chloe Zhao's movies in general. I feel the same way about the writer as I do about this. I think they're both beautifully made films that I, not that I don't want to watch again, but that I have like zero interest in watching again. And not in a way where like, oh, this movie was so disturbing or so difficult to watch. But like the, I, like I, we joked before we started recording that like, yeah, I watched like 20 minutes of that today. And I did, I kind of turned it on and then I was just like, oh yeah, okay, I remember that. I remember this. And there's no real lasting impact, but the way that she, uh, kind of creates visuals, I think is really impressive. I I like the fact that she tends to use a lot of non-actors in her films and still manages to get, you know, pretty good to really good performance out of all of them. I think that's really impressive. Um, interesting that she's going from, you know, the writer to Nomadland, I guess, to a Marvel property. That's that's her next step. It's going to be, and I guess there's all this stuff in the in the trades that like Kevin Feige was like, oh, it, God, I can't believe it looks like this. I'm like, yeah, it looks like she used a real camera with like not green screen. Oh, God, amazing. Um, the man's never seen a sunset before, Dave. You gotta, he hasn't, <laughs> apparently. He's been locked in a room. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this is one of those movies that like right after I saw it, I would have been, I would have come out a lot stronger in defense of it. But like as time goes, I'm kind of like, I don't know, it, it, it doesn't, 
it doesn't feel memorable. It doesn't feel, you know, not to jump ahead, but it doesn't feel like something that really matters. I think I think McDormand's really good here, uh, but I think she's pretty much always good, kind of in everything. I'm I'm trying to think of think of a performance in her career, and I'm kind of coming up blank. No madness. Thank you very much. You got it. Uh, when she when she tours when she tours uh poor people and gets to play off them as far as like what is it like <laughs> for your life to completely suck can i just leech off that so i can win a third oscar please can i just stand next to you poor person and have that moment with you it it's interesting that andrew kind of brings it up because that's fern is my biggest issue with the movie and mm. that it's someone who is using her own personal grief to be a tourist among the poor in a yeah. way um, cause every time she's challenged, you know, the film lets her off the hook, um, mm. which would be interesting if she was coming, if, if they sort of allowed you or allowed the character to just be self-aware enough that it's like, you know, I have the ability when my car breaks down that I have family members or I have a place that I, I have a, a room that I could stay in. I choose not to because I, I have to get out to the great American West. I have to have, <laughs> you know, another beautiful shot, uh, we don't linger in the warehouse too much. I noticed that. We don't <laughs> Not pretty enough. Sorry. The, the no sunsets in the warehouse. That's... <laughs> no. <laughs> but that, that was when I was watching it the first time with my wife, and I'm thinking, like, well, I kind of like hanging out with these people. It reminded me a lot of uh, uh, Into the Wild in that way, sure. that most of the characters in that film that uh, McCandless runs into are more interesting than the kid himself. Uh, biggest difference as far as why I, I like that movie is – Okay, it's a like a kid just graduating college who has that yeah. idea in his head that he is completely invulnerable right. and is going to conquer. And also world. that so that wanderlust, like it, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I could see that for sure. Um, and he also, you know, is asked multiple times by other people, like maybe you should what stop. What are you doing? <laughs> maybe <laughs> you <should. laughs> go home. So it's this combination of uh, we get to enjoy the freedom of people who are totally unattached. But the flip side of that is they're also forgotten by society and no one cares about them unless they can do some form of gig labor, unless they can clean our toilet. They don't really have a place in this world. And I don't think that many of the characters sort of acknowledge that they're all heading somewhere else. And it's like, yeah, I do this just in my spare time so I can get to the next place. But they're just getting to another warehouse. They're getting to another toilet to clean. Mm-hmm. And I wish the film showed us someone that's like, why, wh- where are we going? Like, what's, you know, the, the next place is just another company that will abuse us and the fact that we are transient by nature. So they don't have to commit to us. And I, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand Fern. I don't understand why they drummed up a, a narrative to use all of these real life experiences by these people who are non actors. Um, I mean, to me, I, multiple times I thought this is just a better documentary than it is a film with Francis McDormand mm-hmm. to win an Oscar. At the very least, I could say I wouldn't deny the fact that they're being authentic in their choices. Whereas with Fern, I'm wondering, okay, what the fuck are you really doing? Like why, what, what, what is, as Andrew said, what is the end point here? And it, there is really nothing to revisit for me that's like, I'm going to learn something new about this character. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just, I saw Fern as a character who's very lost um, and doing her best to find herself. And of because she feels lost in her grief, she latches on to any community she can find that's disconnected from that life. 
um, which is why she, which is why she'd stick with her family, who clearly care about her and want to want to take care of her. But they sell and houses, think, Dave. They're bad people. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> yes, um, but 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 Mike about you know Frances McDormand's like uh, her performance here being, I guess, like kind of grim, maybe a little boring, maybe like what are we doing here? And I think that's weirdly weirdly kind of it works for me because for me she becomes a guide to get us to those interesting characters. Because I think you're right. I think the non-actors are the most interesting parts about this movie. Like, if you have, you know, your, you know, this, the kind of older guy who is, you know, kind of running all this stuff, for lack of a better term, kind of guiding her through this process, I think that stuff really works. Her friendship um, with Swanky really works really well. And a lot of it is... McDormand like is there but I don't like hogging the screen I don't think think she's showing anyone up if anything she's allowing them to perform so maybe it's a it's an idea that like you know you cast a Francis so your movie can get you know a little more more funding a more push and then you're able to tell this story that is essentially a dramatized documentary like all these characters Bob Wells Swanky they're playing fictionalized versions of themselves like they're not really I mean, they are acting, right? These these are lines that are written for them, but they're kind of based on their own personalities. Having someone like McDormand and like Zhao allows them to tell that story in a way that's going to reach more people than a documentary ever would. Like, did this movie, this movie was it to make a hundred million dollars? No, absolutely not. But it was going to make, it was going to get more eyes on it than the documentary was. And I think, I don't know, Dave. Hulu and Netflix, they put out that fire festival shit and people went nuts about it. So Well, but that's a trashy documentary. That's very different. Come on. Have these people shit in a bucket for a a half hour solid. (laughs) I mean, if you would have some scene about people, you know, giving blowjobs for water bottles, then maybe people would watch it. That's we found the secret. That that's Mm. what would make this matter. So up a little bit, right, Mike? (laughs) You said it. I did not say that. I asked for more shitting. That's all. Oh yeah, much better. Jesus. But I want to carry on with the, the, those peripheral characters, in particular Swanky, who I think <laughs> not is the blow jobs. not the blowjobs. <laughs> ah, boo! <laughs> <laughs> Poor Andrew trying to trying to keep track. Um, Swanky is a you know I I feel that alongside Linda she is the emotional core of this film. While I am moved by Fern's story in some ways, um, I also feel by the nature of how she is written and how she is performed. She is a character who is so excluded from being able to um, allow people to actually enter her emotional sphere. And it's all like she reflects a lot of stuff. Uh, whereas with Swanky, you know, I I can't help but wish that the film had, had taken a bit of a, a side trip uh, to follow her up to Alaska, to follow mm-hmm. her along her journey, along her final journey. And, and I think that that's part of the problem with this particular film. And again, it's really hard to kind of uh, criticize it because I really like this film. I think it's a beautiful film. I think that... No, it's easy to criticize it. I mean, <laughs> Mike's, Mike's, good I, at the, Mike's got that for you. Don't worry. You don't need to criticize it. Mike will take care of that part. <laughs> but yeah. I, I was still emotionally moved by it. But on the same hand, I, I just kind of wish that if they were going to embrace the, the nomad life, the mo- nomad experience, we needed to follow those peripheral characters just a little bit more uh, to, you know, to leave Fern by her side, you know, in the warehouse, in somewhere else, cleaning rocks or something like that, and follow Swanky <laughs> on her journey for a bit. That would have been quite nice and, and certainly would have at least coloured the experience of being a nomad even more because I think... 
you know, talking about this film now, uh, you know, within the six-month realm that it's effectively come out, and as opposed to in 10 years' time, we're going to see a completely different film in 10 years' time because we're going to look back at it and go, well, this didn't really portray um, the gig economy for elderly women very well, or, you know, it was right on the money. Like, that's what time and, and reflection does. We'll be able to look back and see if that's actually important or not. Um, but I think in the moment, you know, there's a moment where Fern is told that because she is an old woman, effectively the only choice that she has to do is go on to the pension, which is not going to give her enough to actually survive and live, and so therefore she has to continue working. My husband worked at the USG mine in Empire, and I worked in human resources there for a few years. That was my last full-time job. I did a lot of part-time jobs. I cashiered at the Empire Store. I was a substitute teacher at the school for five years. Didn't the and... Empire Mine shut down and then all of the resident workers had to relocate? Yeah, about a year ago. Wow. So when do you need to get back to work? Now? It is a tough time right now. You may want to consider registering for early retirement. I don't think I can get by on the benefits. And, um... I need work. I like work. I'm not sure exactly what you would be eligible for. And that moment where she says, you know, I have to work. I like working. And you don't actually believe her that she does like working, that she does have to continue working. It is a means to an end. And the means to an end is basically being able to continue driving and traveling. But I don't know if this film is reflective of that particular life in America. And I don't know, like, it's so clearly trying to be that particular story. Um, I have two Americans, of course, here that I'm talking to, so who are so intimately aware of this particular life. But <laughs> Well, even in, so, like, there's, because I was looking into the, the book. I didn't know it was based on uh, a book. I thought this was just, you know, an idea that... Uh, someone had had and maybe there was an article about this type of culture um so yeah a lot of the the same like non-actors uh appear in this and one of them <clears throat> unfortunately that appears in the amazon sequence in the the book says uh this job fucking sucks and i'm just wondering where where are the people that express uh, i'm guessing even though i jest about the shooting in a bucket that that's supposed to be the, like the extreme visual <laughs> that's like wow look at what these people put themselves through just so they can hang out in the desert and i don't see that at all i think it's the uh soul crushing labor where you are a meaningless i mean you right. will be replaced by a robot this is something that amazon in particular is already trying to build little r2d2s that can do what you were hired to do for seasonal labor and that mentality that you were utterly replaceable uh, and you're not even seen as a human. Uh, you're just seen as a function, which if you extrapolate out, everyone is to a certain extent if you're being paid for labor, but they have really boiled it down to that particular line of work. And I would think that that has, there's some emotional trauma that's being placed on these people when they don't have any place in the world. And I felt like the movie is, it leans way more into the celebration of it's like, well, this is a choice they've made, which goes into that very sort of Republican kind of conservative viewpoint. It's like mm. poor people are poor because they choose to be because they want to hang out in the desert and go swim naked in the rocks. And that really rubbed me the wrong way about this. 
Um, going back to Into the Wild, where we can all say this rich kid made a conscious decision to burn all of his money and disappear from his family. Whatever happens to him, it truly was his choice. I, I'm a bit more uncomfortable with seeing this particular age group and these people saying that they've done this to themselves. Mm. I don't feel like the, the film was punching up in any way at any targets. It's like, well, what created this system where they feel like this is the only choice they have to reclaim some of their humanity is to just wander around. And yes, they do get to take advantage of that sort of throwback traditional American West. And there's a lot of beautiful shots, mm. but I felt like that made it a little too comfortable for the, the viewers to be like, Oh, okay. It's worth it. Cause look at that. Look at that. That's something I wish I could <laughs> go on vacation and see. And she gets to live it. And she also gets mm. to pick up your shit and pick up your trash I don't know. I don't feel like it tackles exactly like the the system in place so much because they're really, as Andrew said, they are yeah. hanging their hat on Fern, Fern's internal struggle. And I don't think Fern is really that mm. interesting of a character that most of the time I'm thinking about these actual people picking up trash. This idea of like, you know, where it's punching, I think is interesting because I don't think it's I don't think it's punching at all. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's punching up, punching down, punching sideways. I, it feels to me if, if the works for you. It's because you have that, you do have that, those soul crushing moments, right? You know, literally picking up people's excrement or working or working at Amazon. I'm not sure which one of those is worse. Um, and then, yeah, pretty much the same thing. And then it's, it's compared to these kind of beautiful moments in the desert with this community, right? So it feels like to me, those soul crushing scenes are there to kind of prop up the good, right? To give you that comparison base. I, it is a gutsy enough or or brave enough to be punching at something like Amazon. Like it just, I don't, I don't think Chloe Zhao is interested in that. I think maybe she should be. I think it's probably a better movie. Uh, of course, Amazon's never going to allow you to use their, you know, symbology if you do that. But so you'd have to be a little more clever about what you use to make people know you're talking, you're talking to Amazon without saying so. But I really don't think, I, I don't, you know, some people have complained about this as if like, you know, she thinks she's punching up and she's really not like, I don't, like, I don't, I don't care. Uh, I, I don't think that's what she's trying to do. I think she's, like you said, interested in that internal journey for Fern, interested in the vistas and creating beautiful images on the screen screen. And I think she succeeds at that. But if you're looking for a movie that has a political stance or a stance on class, which you would almost feel like that's a natural way to go. The, the focus of the movie, but this is not that movie. And if you're looking for that, you're going to be sorely disappointed in this. Do you think that because, you know, a lot of the other nominees like uh, Promising Young Woman, like Judas and the Black Messiah and Ugh. Trial of Chicago 7, you know, they're, they're devoutly mm. political films and they have a political agenda. And yet, of course, they didn't win. Do you think that, um, you know, and if we look at something like Moonlight, that is an apolitical film in a lot of ways, even though it does comment on the politics of, you know, growing up as a black gay man in Florida. Um, but it's not its not part of the core text of that particular film. It is on the periphery. Do you think that, you know, this kind of film, Nomadland, makes it feel like it is a political film? It makes, you know, I'm sure that voters are probably thinking, this is my political vote, and so therefore I'm doing the right thing by voting for this one. I don't think so at all, actually. I think the reason it won is because it shies away from that. It's a, I mean, it's a, for this year, granted, this would not be a safe winner in any other year, right? Because it's a small film. But in comparison to what else is out there, in comparison to a film like Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, Messiah, like, 
those are much more quote unquote dangerous films. Those are more dangerous choices than this. This is not, this doesn't attack anybody. This is just like the story of a woman who's doing something different than we expect, you know, living out there in the wilderness. Isn't that interesting? Um, so it's, you know, it's something like, you know, especially promisingly promising, which I know Mike is a big fan of that movie too, is like, even if you don't like it, that movie makes some fucking choices, man. That movie really goes for it and makes people uncomfortable. Which is probably exactly why it didn't win, because it made uh, it made some of the voters a little uncomfortable, especially maybe let's let's say the older white male voters a little uncomfortable. Like I don't know if I want to reward that. Um, so we'll we'll give it a screenplay one. It's it's fine. So yeah, I think the opposite. I, I think this is the le- one of the least risky risky film of of the kind of lineup for best picture. I actually agree with both of you. Oh, I think it's the least risky. But it I feels like it's like it based thought. Yeah, maybe. But they were making. This- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I do think that you mentioned Minari was yeah. far more honest look. Uh, I mean, it's at a very specific life, very specific, um, uh, you know, a family coming to fulfill that American dream. Uh, they, uh, the ultimate outsider in that extremely small town, even for where I grew up, I thought, <laughs> Jesus, they are out in the fucking sticks. Like, what are they doing? Um, but and from you, that is... The- saying something yeah yeah i grew up in a very small town and i still thought like well, that's pretty fucking desolate out there you got a dude carrying a cross around jesus you need to move to you got water divining i mean there's yeah, all sorts yeah. of stuff yeah um i i didn't i won't say that minari is gonna be something that 10 years from now uh i remember much either uh because it's 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 horrible to say because it sounds like you're slamming these movies but it's that small slice mm-hmm. of life like you're you're getting to shadow very specific family uh for me even though maybe i grew up in the the south i still don't know what they're going through but it was interesting it was interesting just to drop in for that two and i'd hours. argue it's at least a little um, more charming like that that feels a lot more rewatchable to me mm-hmm. than something like nomad i could see myself going back and watching steven yun's performance in minari i think you you have something to hang on to with the the fact that they're a yeah. family unit like you, you can have something to attach yourself to, and some of the the uh, relationship dynamics there are really interesting. Um, I'll I'll take up for the Academy only, and strangely, in Dave's their their attack on Promising Young Woman is that uh, I can't imagine another yeah. year where it's even there. That is to me is like total sort of genre fair. That I was just I mean I can't believe Shocking. it won. I guess uh, Andrew, you can probably speak to this. Like I guess like the cool award, like best original yeah, screenplay yeah. is usually the one they're like but... we can't give it anything else. <laughs> But we'll give this cool little movie this. So yeah. I, was, I was happy. With I'm that. actually Very like, happy. as I think back on on these movies and Oscars, and it, it's kind of it's even more disappointing than usual um, that they they kind of put the easy choice, like you know. And there's a lot of nominations here. There's a couple nominations that are kind of easy choices, and some of them I like. I like. You know, Mike have talked about Mank at length, at length, and like a little bit more than Mike does. Um, Trial of Chicago 7 is a really safe kind of bullshit choice where it's like, oh, we solved racism. We solved racism. We didn't quite do it with Green Book, so we'll do it with Trial of Chicago 7. It'll be fine. Don't dare bring Green Book into this. That's a champion of a But movie. it's like, this that's was a this is a real opportunity, opportunity for, and I know a film that's probably close to both of your hearts in some ways, like a movie like First Cow. This could have been like a really great opportunity to reward a filmmaker who has done really great work and made one of her best movies in the last year, right? This was a real opportunity. Mm. But instead, 
you know, we've got Judas and the Black Messiah, which which has its most mank, which has its problems. Trial of the Chicago Seven, which looks like you know, uh, community theater does uh, does a trial uh, play. Like, ugh, it's terrible. Uh, um, so opportunities for like to if if you're gonna have a year where you're not gonna have these big. Like, not blockbusters, but these popular movies, these movies, these pop get in because there's no such thing as a popular populist movie. 2020, like, there's a real opportunity here. And, and, you know, it's it's, this year, in a lot of ways, in movies, feels kind of wasted. And the Oscars just kind of doubled doubled down on them. Well, I am glad that Chloe Zhao won Best Director. I'm glad she won Best Picture. Um, You know, I think that 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 in itself is, you know, it's frustrating. And uh, we've talked about this before, how, you know, there is a a real lack of women directed films nominated and even winning, you know, major awards. Well, plus, 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 plus now can say from <laughs> Oscar winner, Chloe Zhao, this stupid team up movie that you will all pay millions of yeah. dollars for. But uh, so I'm, you know, it was my personal choice. I'm glad that it won. I'm glad that, you know, in a year that, um, you know, there were a, a real shortage of films that it, it was the one that triumphed. Um, you know, I really like Promising Young Woman. I thought Minari was very good. I love Sound of Metal. Uh, I thought, you know, that... That was that yeah, would have been my choice. That was Sound my close follow-up one, but, my you know, uh, I don't get to yeah. vote for these things. And You just didn't want to watch Trial of Chicago I 7. Didn't. That's no. all you cared oh, geez. about. And now it didn't win anything. No, I, I never have to watch it, so it's great. <laughs> you you dodged it, buddy. <laughs> Two and a half hours of buddy Aaron Sorkin. No, thank you very much. I do not like that man. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so I guess as uh, I like something, there's something there, I know yeah. there's something that just tickles me about that. I do not like that man, as if he like stiffed you for a tip like twenty like twenty years up. Not not a fan of sports night, I guess that just uh, turned you no, off. Of it. Uh, no, right. not at all. Precious little <laughs> AFL talk in that particular show. Um, <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say, understand any of the references in that show. <laughs> no idea. Your weird sports. I guess same, same with the West Wing Australia. and stuff like that. Straight over my head. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we've got a minute and forty five seconds. We're going to answer the the main question, which we need to ask, which is no, does this film it matter? doesn't matter. No, no. If you want to no. if you want to watch a Chloe Zhao film, just watch the writer. It's more interesting. I would argue it's better looking. It's fine. Like this is a this is a fine winner, but it's not something that I think that I'm gonna remember in another six months. Well, here's a question back to both of you: Which one of the nominees this year will be something that will be remembered ten years from now? Will still be somehow in the uh, the pop culture discourse? Honestly, Sound of Metal. I, I don't. I I hope you're right, but I don't think that's true. Um, I think the the only reason I mention that is because it's going on the Criterion Collection later mm. on this year. So like, I would that has the the cachet of that. Back I would up. argue that the one that's going to be that's going to be the most and the most interesting for years to come is Promising Young Woman. I think I think that's the one that's really going to last out of these. It's not my favorite of them, but it's it does some interesting things and things and thing angles, which is something that almost none of the movies on this list do. Yeah. What about well, you, Mike? Mike wins again. Yep. I take that as a Maybe. win. My, I had nothing to do with Promising a Woman, uh, nothing to do with the life experience of the filmmakers. I'll take it as well a done to me. Mike Dennison <laughs> of Stan- Stanton Kentucky has found a way to make it about him. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. I think that Nomadland, no, sadly, it doesn't matter. Uh, but as much as I like the film, uh, it's a real shame. Um, very good. Probably never yep. watch it again, though. Yeah. 
What a depressing ending to this, <laughs> this podcast or whatever it is we're doing. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and summer's lease hath all too short a date. Sometime too hot the eye of heaven shines, and often is his gold complexion dimmed. And every fair from fair sometimes declines by chance or nature's changing course undimmed. But thy eternal summer shall not fade, nor lose possession of that fair thou owest, nor shall, nor shall death brag thou walkest in his shade when in eternal lines to time thou growest. So long as men can breathe and eyes can see, so long lives this and this gives life to thee. <laughs> it's a per perfect, the perfect time. It's really depressing, but. <laughs> Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Let Safeway help you unleash your globe with your favorite personal care products. Right now with Safeway, get great deals on all your favorite personal care products. Like Head & Shoulders Base Shampoo, Crest 3D Whitening Toothpaste, Listerine Antiseptic Mouthwash, Sensodyne Sensitivity Fresh Toothpaste, Degree Women Antiperspirant Deodorant, or Soft Soap Liquid Hand Soap. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local Safeway store for more deals and specific details. <laughs>